Welcome, and thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com. And now for the message from Pastor Nathan Lang. If you would, turn your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 9. The Gospel of John, chapter number 9 with me, if you would. I would love nothing more than to get through this whole chapter today. But guess what? It's not going to happen. (laughs) We do not have enough time to go through uh, all of the John chapter number nine. So we're going to start into it and we're going to see how far we get. Amen. Um, But tremendous, tremendous um, verses uh, here that we're going to be covering today. But uh, if you look, if you're at John chapter number nine, if you would just uh, back on chapter number eight, kind of ending there, if I could just go ahead. Uh, well, you know, you know that the, the chapter breaks are not inspired by God. The chapter breaks are just chapter breaks uh, that man put in there. They, 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 they help us find, you know, parts and they, they take a break in certain places uh, that not necessarily is a breaking point, but they do it to keep it flowing. Uh, but uh, in, in chapter number eight, you, you'll see there at the very end, it says uh, in verse number 56, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my days and he saw it and was glad then said the Jews unto him uh, thou art not yet 50 years old how, how hast and uh, excuse me and hast thou seen Abraham Jesus said unto them verily verily I say unto you before Abraham was I am then took they up stones to cast at him but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, uh, and so passed by. Now, this really doesn't have a, uh, the thought I'm going to give you here in just a moment. It doesn't necessarily go with the next chapter, uh, but, but let me just say this. Uh, here's a point in the scripture uh, that they were getting ready to stone Jesus. They, they did not like what he had to say. The religious crowd uh, did not like what he had to say. And so they were getting ready uh, to, to throw rocks at him. And so can I just say, whatever you're going through in here today, uh, mark it down that Jesus was, uh, was persecuted. Uh, and so therefore, if somebody didn't like something about you this week, hey, just hold on. It's okay. It's okay. You'll be okay. Uh, it's going to be all right. But uh, he said uh, uh, in uh, verse number, let me get it right here. In verse number, um, verse number uh, 58, he said, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And uh, that, that I am uh, was, was literally, I talked about this in my Sunday school class this morning. He was literally uh, declaring that he was God. And so they, they didn't like that. And they said, oh, wait a second now. It's on now. And so they go, they start grabbing up rocks. And then let's pick it up in verse number one of chapter nine. He says, and as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now we're going to stop there and pray, and then uh, we're going to get into the text. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I ask that you would just bless today. Speak through me, Lord. I I truly want to be uh, hidden behind the cross. And Lord, please be with those who are not able to be here. I know uh, that some of the young families out sick. I know some of the uh, the Mastis families out sick today, and maybe a few others. I pray you touch their bodies, heal them up as quickly as possible. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, encourage us through the Word of God, convict us, exhort us. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so in this particular portion of the scripture, uh, we have here where Jesus, the Bible says, passed by and he saw a man which was blind from his birth and his disciples asked, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, 
that he was born blind. And so immediately they go into this theological debate. They say, all right, now whose fault is this? It's got to be somebody's fault. Now, I want to give you a little bit of a background here today because I've preached from this text before. I'm not preaching the same quote sermon that I've preached from this before, uh, but uh, we've, we've read this in, in our church and many of you have read it in your, in your time alone with God. Uh, and, and you see in here where they come to, uh, to Jesus and, and they're saying, okay, this is, this is somebody's fault. Why was he born this way? Was it his fault or was it his parents' fault? And here in just a few moments, I'm going to give you some of the background of the Jewish culture of this time, and we're going to see a little bit of why it makes sense, why they're asking him this. Uh, But the previous chapter ended as Jesus passed by those uh, who wanted to stone him, to kill him. Uh, And uh, thinking about this, uh, they considered Jesus to be a blasphemer, and that's why they were able, uh, in their minds, to be able to legally stone him. And John continues this account, noting that uh, how, how Jesus passed by a man who was blind from his birth. And that's where we are right now in our text. And, uh, you know, the, the sense of the flow of this text is that Jesus was not shaken. Uh, he, was not, he was not put back by the fact that they were trying to kill him. The Bible says he hid himself away. So he didn't stand there and say, all right, now open fire. Uh, but he got out of the way. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus did not stop there. He continued on and he kept doing what he was supposed to do. And you're going to see that here in just a moment in the text when he goes on to say, uh, just paraphrasing it. Hey, I've got to do uh, the work of the father uh, because night's coming when I can't work. He said, Hey, the time is right now. I got to keep on moving. I can't stop because they want to kill me. I can't stop because they're making fun of me. I can't stop because they don't like me. Hey, I've got to keep on pressing forward. Now that's not really the message this morning, uh, but I believe it is a very good application that Jesus was not shaken by what was going on. You know why? Because he had a job to do. He had something to accomplish. You know, that's what we need in our country today. We need some men and women who will stand up with a goal, with with some aspirations, and say, hey, I'm here to serve Jesus Christ. I've got some goals. Hey, I've got to perform the will of the Father while there's still day, and I'm not going to sit down. You know, we've got too too many Christians hiding out in the witness protection program. Uh, We do. We've got too many Christians, secret disciples. Uh, Hey, we've got too many Christians who are are getting their feelings hurt. We, We shouldn't be living in that state as a born-again child of God. Jesus was often reviled, and, and, and he just kept right on going. But they said, Master, who sinned? This man or his parents? You know, you know what, if I can say, looking into this text, what's, what's one of the biggest shames of this text on, on, these, on these people reviling Jesus? They showed no interest in helping the man. You're not going to find in here, how can we help this man? I'll be honest, I get a lot of people who kind of want to ridicule the people who are on the side of the roads begging for money. And I believe many of them are just there making a career out of it. Many of them are. Um, you know, some of the places my wife and I have been to, New York City, Seattle, and uh, I mean, just the inner cities of Cincinnati, you do run into legitimate homeless people. And you know, it's my heart's desire to want to stop and help them. I always can't do it, uh, but I do want to try to, to stop and help them. But they weren't worried about that. All they were worried about is who's to blame? Who's to blame? Who's going to get in trouble for this? Who's, who's at fault for this? That's what they were seeking out when they were doing this. Jesus uh, show, You know what Jesus does? Jesus shows them a different way, and he does all the time. I, I wish sometimes, you ever wish you could just you know, go back in time and just watch and, and see how they responded to Jesus, this, this so-called rebel who was going against the law, this so-called rebel who was doing what he wanted to do. You know, 
He won't dwell on the theological puzzle that they give him, but on actually helping the man. That's what Jesus was concerned with. See, Jesus saw past what was wrong, and Jesus saw what he was there to do, and what the Father's ultimate goal was, and that was that the Father would get glory. Can I say that whatever you're facing in here this morning, it is so that God can get glory, not so that we can complain and quit. The ultimate goal of why you're facing what you're dealing with. I mean, you could imagine uh, this, this, boy's, this boy's parents when he was a child. The Bible says he was blind from birth. Uh, could you imagine that boy's parents as they were so excited? Hey, we're getting ready to have a baby. And, and everything that goes with that, all of the cravings and all of the, you can eat this and you can't have that. And uh, everything that comes with that. Uh, picking out clothes and getting baby names and all this excitement. And then the baby's born and then they find out that little baby, that little baby boy is blind. Could you imagine uh, the disappointment in their life? You know, I think sometimes as we go through, we look at what we're facing and we look at it as a hindrance and an obstacle instead of saying, all right, God, what are you going to do through this? All right, God, I don't understand why there's cancer. I don't understand why, uh, why there was, the baby was stillborn. I don't understand why we're going through this problem. And can I say uh, that God is ultimately wanting to get glory from this, whatever you're facing in here today. Now, there's a lot of misconceptions about that glory that we have. Oh, well, God made that baby to be born blind uh, just so he can get glory out of it. No, 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 no. You're looking at this all wrong. God did not smite the baby out of, I, 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 because he just picked, hey, all right, now here, I'm going to make you blind and you're going to have perfect eyesight. That's not how it went. But what God did do is God seizes that opportunity of that blindness and is able to get glory out of it if we will so follow it. You know, their concern was not on how can we help this man. It was on, okay, who can we blame? I think that happens so often. I, I remember a time when I was in, in, in college. I was interning for Brother, uh, Brother D, Brother Delaney. And I remember we went, they were the teenagers. We were, we were going on a, a teen activity, and we were over at the Portland McDonald's. And if you're ever in Louisville and you go to the Port, Portland McDonald's to eat, just you need about four hours and... Uh, and you'll be able to get your food. <laughs> We're standing there in line, and this one teenager's just standing there and kind of standing back, and, and I'm kind of observing him. And, you know, I remember what it was like, and I knew why he was standing. I knew, I, I believed I knew why he was standing back. And I remember looking over at him, and I, and I was looking at Brother D, and Brother D was kind of glancing over. And, uh, and in my mind, I thought, he doesn't have any money. He was one of the bus riders, teenagers. I knew because I went with to pick him up. And so there, he's like, oh, no, I'm not hungry. I'm okay. And I knew that was a lie because I've never met a teenager who's not hungry. Brother D walked over, pulled $5 out and handed it to him. He said, here you go. Get you something to eat. The boy jumped right up in line. One of the other workers came over and said, uh, now you know you're never going to get that money back. Brother D looked at him and said, that's not why I did it. He said, I saw a need. I saw a need and I met it. Can I say in here today that sometimes we're always focused on the problem and we're not looking at Christ? And can I say that even, a, even in this time period where Jesus is there, to, he's able to heal, he's there to do all these things, but they still didn't look, they look past that. You know, we often suspect that there's a more than an ordinary, you know, sufferer. There's a more than ordinary sinner 
The disciples believed that so much that uh, they wondered if this man was actually sinned before he was born. You know, that was something that they dealt with. And in, in, when I said some, some Jewish background culture here, some of the Jews of that time believed in the pre-existence of souls and that possibly that those pre-existent souls could sin. They, some, some Jews actually believed in reincarnation, that this, this boy had suffered from something he did in a past life. <clears throat> some of those Jews believed that this punishment was for the sin that the man would later commit. Hey, God's just getting them now. They were so, they were so taken back and bewildered that they, they threw out a wild possibility without thinking it through. Now let's look at, let's look at verse number 3 through 5. The Bible says, Jesus answered... So here we go. We have, we have the crowd as they come in and they start speculating. All right, now, is it the boy's fault? Is it the parent's fault? Hey, what's the deal here? And Jesus answered, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. You know, birth defects and other tragedies are sometimes due to sinful behavior of parents. They are. There's parents who have, uh, who have uh, you know, done drugs, and, and as a result, their child was born with some... Uh, I've actually gone to hospital, uh, hospitals, and there was actually a, a, a couple that I had led to the Lord many years ago, and they were ad both addicted to heroin very, very badly. She was pregnant with the baby at the time. And I remember uh, going and uh, following back with them and trying to, trying to help them and trying to get them along. And uh, that baby was born. And that baby, of course, was born with that addiction. And so they had to give it some medicine uh, to, to keep it from, you know, because uh, it had that, that, that urge for those drugs because that's what it had had its entire infancy. And, and so, uh, so uh, I tell you what, that was a pretty sad state to see that. But now that little girl, she's, she's about that big and she's doing wonderful and she's doing great. And the parents have gotten off drugs and, uh, and, and, and gotten jobs and doing a, a great, wonderful job. But, you know, uh, so sometimes uh, the, the, what we do as parents, you know, sometimes that does affect, uh, it can affect our kids. Can I say even above and beyond that? We were, I was out with my family one time and we, were, we, were, we had gotten something quick bite to eat and I had a sandwich and I had a little bit of the food left over that I didn't want or whatever it was, a little bit of the, uh, of the bread or something and I tossed it out the window and I thought, ah, the birds will get it. And immediately my kids just, boy, they stood up. Dad, you just littered. Man, I mean, they threw me under the bus. I'm like, your mom didn't see it. I just, just bread. But you know what I didn't realize? That I was setting an example for my kids. You know what I did? I turned back around, I went back, and I picked it up. I made sure that my kids realized, hey, it's not even right just to throw bread out. Hey, you know, it's, I, I understand your setting, but hey, I was trying to teach them something there. Just like Jesus, as he's dealing with these people. And can I say uh, that here's the reality of it and the politics of this. No matter what Jesus says or does, it's wrong to these people. They're, they're out to get him. Uh, it's a witch hunt, so to speak. And, and they want to destroy him. They, they don't like Jesus. They want to be done with him. And, uh, and that's just where it is. Uh, but he says in this text that the works of God would be made manifest in this situation. I think of the, uh, of the times this little blind boy uh, might have asked his mother, why am I blind? You know, uh, that happens sometimes. That happens sometimes. You know, I didn't understand it growing up, but I, was, uh, I have Tourette's syndrome. Uh, and I remember uh, going through therapy. My parents were trying to 
figure out what was wrong with me. Can you believe that? And uh, they didn't think they had that perfect child. And so I remember going to, to, to children's hospital and they would, they would just, uh, you know, talk with me, try to figure out what it was. And they found out uh, that it was Tourette's syndrome. Uh, and so, and that's, uh, and that's what they quote, diagnosed me with. Uh, and so, uh, which by the way, let me say, if you've got, if you've been diagnosed with something, don't allow the doctors uh, to keep you in this box and not live your life. Because you've been diagnosed with diabetes, you've been diagnosed with, with bipolar, whatever the case is. Hey, live your life. Let me just say that. Uh, but uh, this little boy asked him, why am I blind? You know, Jesus explained, it's because God wants to work in and through even this situation. No matter how big or how small your situation is in here today, God wants to work in it and through it. Now, I wouldn't dare do a show of hands and, and, and ask people, hey, what are you facing here today? But I promise you, there are some heavy hearts in here today of some things you're dealing with in here physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever the case may be that you're, you're suffering through, you're trying to get through, and you just don't understand why this is happening. You know, Murphy's Law, so to speak. You know, I had a little bit of that day yesterday. It seemed like no matter how far I, no matter what I tried to do to make something work, it just didn't. <laughs> it just didn't. And one thing after another, I had my brother with me at one point, and I said, you know, I said, it's because of you. You're, you're, you're the bad luck here. That's why this is going like that. And <laughs> he's, oh, thank you. It wasn't his fault. You know, maybe God was dealing with me in patience. There, there's a lot of things that, that God's trying to do in my life at any given time, and I'm only aware of a few of them. Can I say that there's many blessings that God is bestowing on us every day? And, and, and sadly enough, a lot of times we're only aware of a few of them. Jesus pointed the question away from why and onto the idea of what can God do in this? And so here, this is what I want you to do this morning. I want you to take whatever you're going through right now and I want you to in your mind, log this down, write it down on your piece of paper. The question, why? Why, God? How many of you ever asked God why? How many? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you're probably lying. Raise your hand if you've asked God why. Hey, I've asked God why quite a bit in my life. But you know what? Uh, that, that's not what I'm trying to tackle here, uh, the, the idea of why. Uh, but here, uh, okay, why, God? All right, how, how about let's ask God, what can you do in this and through this? I, I tell you, there's a, there's a lot of hard situations that sometimes we have to deal with, don't we? When you're trying to comfort somebody, when you're trying to help somebody, and, and, and you really don't know how to comfort them, you don't know how to help them. Oh, Lord, instead of asking why, Lord, what, what, can, you, what can you do in this? Lord, what, what can you, how can you get glory out of this? What can I do to point this to you? In this man's case, the specific work of God would soon be revealed to heal him of his blindness. Absolutely amazing. Uh, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that however old this man was, the Bible says this man, so however old he was, uh, at least 12 years old or up, the reality is he was born, from, uh, uh, he was born blind, and here he is in this situation, uh, and here uh, he's getting ready to see in his adulthood the pinnacle of what God was trying to do with that blindness. He was getting ready to see it. The fact that he was getting to be healed. Absolutely incredible. And you know, here's the thing. Uh, maybe we won't, quote, be healed until we get to heaven, but someday, someday, if you're a born-again child of God, you're going to be healed of that. You're, you're going to be relieved of that, what you're, what you're dealing with right now. When we get to heaven for eternity, it's not going to seem like that big of a deal. 
I've seen, I was, I was at the hospital not long ago with an amputee, a person who had to have their, their, their leg cut off and they're, they're, they're saved. And I said, you know, one of these days, God's going to give you another one. You're going to have a glorified body. You're going to hobble around here for a little bit. That didn't sound good, did it? I told them they're going to hobble around here for a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but hey, you know what? God's going to give you another one. You know, uh, my wife's preacher, Rick Fox, if there's one thing that uh, he encouraged me one, uh, and, and that was the fact that heaven is real. Heaven is real. The doctors came to Brother Fox and said, All right, we're going to have to cut your, cut your foot off, Rick. He said, that's okay. They said, no, you don't understand. We're going to cut your foot off. He said, that's okay. I'll whittle me another one. Now, here, here's what he was saying. I'm not going to let that stop me from living life. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep serving God. Can I encourage you in here today? We, we quit on God for far less, don't we? I just had a bad day. My boss went off on me, so uh, it's, uh, my day's done. My day's done. It's amazing how we get sometimes, isn't it? You know, some of us will throw out a whole day, a whole day. I saw someone just the other day, they gave this, they gave this, um, this analogy here. How, how many seconds are in a day? It's like 86,000 something, give or take, somewhere in there. Uh, they, they gave this statistic. They said, what if somebody, and they, they converted it into dollars. They said, what if somebody stole $60 from you? Would you throw away the rest? And everybody's like, no, I'm not going to throw away $84,000 because somebody stole 60. They said, then why do you throw away the rest of your day because someone stole 60 seconds of it? And I thought, man, that's exactly what I needed. <laughs> but we do that sometimes. We do that sometimes. In this man's case, the specific work of God would, have, would soon be revealed to heal him of his blindness. That is exactly what he was facing, and that is exactly uh, what Jesus was doing. This does not mean that God deliberately calls the child to be born blind. It does mean that God overruled the disaster of the child's blindness so that when the child grew to manhood, he might have the recovering of his sight. You know, he's going to see the glory of God face to face someday. I, I read somewhere that usually people who are born blind Later in life, when they ask, if you could have been born with your sight, would you want it? Many of them say, no. I'm thankful for my life just how it is. I remember reading a, a biography on Fanny Crosby one, day, one time, and Fanny Crosby wrote many of the songs in our hymn book. Fanny Crosby said, uh, somebody asked her one time, they said, oh, I feel so sorry for her. You've never seen, you know, she lost her sight as a little girl. You know, you've been able to see the sunsets like we do. She said, hey, she said, the first eyes that these eyes, the first face that these eyes will ever see will be Jesus. Don't feel sorry for me. Amen. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty neat perspective, isn't it? When she opens those eyes for the first time, she's going to be in the presence of her Savior. Hey, that's a way to look at life, amen? amen. But Jesus said, hey, night is coming when no man can work. In verse number four, verse number five, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Let's look at verses six and seven real quickly. The Bible says, in verse number six, when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his, own, his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing and came seeing. You know, Jesus bends down, he picks up this, this dirt and, you know, just as God had used the dust of the ground and, uh, and the clay to do the work of creation in Genesis, uh, so Jesus uses that uh, to form the clay for this man's eyes. 
Jesus found it important. Uh, you know, uh, Jesus could have, could he have walked up and just touched his eyes and healed him? Of course he could have. He was God. Could Jesus have spoken the word and it been done? Yes, he could. But you know, uh, Jesus does something different. Uh, and I think he finds it important to change his methods of healing. So, uh, so one could never make a formula of the methods. The power was in God, not in the method. Did you get that? The power was not in, oh, you just get down and grab some dirt and spit on it and wipe it on somebody's eyes. I dare anybody try that. <laughs> Don't do that. And, uh, but it was not in the method of, oh, you just go and, and you, uh, you, know, you know, tap their head and they're healed, wipe mud on their face and they're healed. No, the power was in God. That's where the power lies, not in us, not in our little, uh, you know, man-made things that we can do. And he says, I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I want you to realize here uh, that when Jesus says, all right, now I want you to go wash in the pool of Siloam, uh, realize this in here today uh, that that took faith for this blind man as he wipes his, wipes his eyes uh, with all this mud. He was still blind, but it took faith to say, all right, now this is what I need you to do. I need you to go to this place. And so what does he do? By faith, he obeys. Not many people would appreciate having mud and spit wiped in their eyes. I'll tell you right now, one of the most demeaning things you can do to me is spit in my face. I'm telling you, I think that is one of the grossest things you could do is spit on somebody. That, that is just, that's just how I am. But this is what happened. Jesus rubbed that in his eyes and some would look at how Jesus did this miracle uh, and object to it. And they'd say, oh, well, you know, that, that's not how it should be done. What well, doesn't matter? He's, he's Jesus and we're not. You say, why do you mention that, preacher? Because there's a lot of things that we try to say, this is what should have been done, or this is how they should have been born, or this is how this surgery should have went, and this is how this pregnancy should have ended up. And hey, listen, we're not God. And many times we want to say, we want to tell God that he's doing it the wrong way, don't we? Again and again, excuse me, John refers to Jesus as being, have being sent by the Father. So now blindness is removed with, with reference to the aid of the person who is sent. So he went and washed. This took, it, just, it just took plain out faith. Can I say that uh, sometimes it just takes faith in our lives to trust that God is going to work that out for his good. For, our, for, for his glory, rather. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand when you, when you go to the doctor and, and they say, all right, now this is what you have. You got to deal with it now. I mean, so many different things. Somebody uh, was just telling me the other day that they have scoliosis. And hey, Dr. Wendy said, I've got scoliosis. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes it's uh, whatever the case may be. It could be small. It could be big in your eyes. But God's doing a work in our lives. So he went and he washed, the Bible says. But you know what's great? He came back seeing. He came back seeing. You know what he did? You know what that blind man did? He didn't do anything to be born blind. How was he healed? He simply just trusted Jesus, whom he didn't even know who it was, the Bible says. He didn't, know, he didn't even know his name. Hey, that man that touched me healed me. Oh, if I could just say this in side note, this is the first time in the Bible record of a person being blind was healed of their blindness. From Genesis to John, no prophet, priest, or apostle ever gave sight to eyes born blind. See how big of a miracle this was? This wasn't some man that just got something in his eyes. and No, he was born this way. 
And Jesus healed him. Since healing blind eyes is the work of the Lord, it shows that Jesus is God. The Bible says in Psalm 146, 8, uh, the Lord opens uh, the eyes of the blind. The Bible says in Isaiah 35, 5, uh, opening the eyes of the blind was prophesied uh, of the work of the Messiah. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, Isaiah 35, 5. And uh, uh, these are literally things that are coming to pass in this time period. Let's look, and we're going to be finished in verse number, let's look at verse number 8. The neighbors, therefore, and they which before had sent him that was blind said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how are thine eyes opened? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and opened, excuse me, and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. <clears throat> who is this man? It seemed too amazing to believe, uh, but the man convinced them that he was in fact healed of blindness, of blindness. At this point, the man knew very little about Jesus. He didn't seem to know that Jesus was from Nazareth. He was the Messiah or, or claimed to be God. He didn't, he didn't spit off all of this stuff. He, he, he just said, hey, that man, Jesus, he healed me. He healed me. It's absolutely amazing when we stand back instead of accusing God of everything that we feel we should have and where we should be and what we, you know, in life. Instead of saying, God, why am I going through this? Say, God, I want to see you work in this. God, can I, if I could just take this situation and, and, and use it for your glory, if I could just do that, I wonder how many of us pray and beg God to get us out of the situation, but how many of us really do? And I'm not saying we don't, but I'm just saying how many of us really say, God, all right now, what are you going to do in this situation? How are you going to, how, how can you be glorified in this situation? And by the way, by the way, you may never be healed this side of heaven. And let me just say, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, but, but preacher, it's easy for you to say, you don't know what I'm going through. I know, but God can still do a work through that situation. You know, it took this boy, I don't know how many years, it took this man uh, to the point where God said, all right, now, here we go, you're going to be healed of this. And he was able to see in the flesh God's work manifested, to see God's, uh, God's uh, the, the point of what was going on there. He was able to see it right there and see God heal him. You know, sometimes we don't ever see a healing this side of heaven, so to speak. And this isn't prosperity gospel preaching, but if you're saved, listen, you're going to get a new body someday. You're not going to be dealing with the, the hardships of what we deal with today, this side of heaven. You know, I'm one of those crazies that believes that heaven is a real place with real people, and we're going to be in the presence of Jesus. Can I say that I'm looking forward to, to seeing loved ones and friends and seeing all of you again someday in heaven who, who are saved? But, but here, here's the deal. Uh, it's much more than just getting up there and being with our friends. It's about being with God. It's about being with God. How do you respond in here? Don't, don't answer this audibly, but how do you respond when things don't go your way? 
When, when you have hardships, when you have problems. How many of you got problems in your life? Raise your hand. All right, I'm not the only one. Okay. Is our first thought to say, oh, praise God. Let me say, in our flesh, it's not. If you can go through a hard time and just say, oh, God's so good. Every time I tell you what, uh, there might be something wrong with you. But I, I believe that God allows some of these things to happen in our lives because it reminds us of our dependence that we need in him. Because when everything's going well, usually we tend to not depend on him as much. When, everything's, when the bills are paid, when everything's taken care of, everything seems to be okay, we don't depend on God as much because it's all taken care of. I'll tell you, you're never more right with God usually than when you're going through hard times. That could be the case. That should be the case. I remember my brother-in-law and sister-in-law here today. And um, I remember a time on the bus route with uh, Brother Rogers. He was, we were sitting down talking, and, and he, said, uh, he said, Nathan, he said, you know, he, said, he was talking about hardships. He said, you know, sometimes I pray that God would allow some hardships in my life, he said, because it brings me closer to him. And I remember sitting there as a te- as a, as a, just out of high school thinking, I ain't praying for no hardships in my life. He said, it's during the hard times of my life that I draw closer to God than ever before. Can I encourage you in here today with this thought, and I'll be, and I'll be done. Whatever you're facing, if it's hardships, can you allow it to bring you closer to God? Can you allow through this situation to allow you to walk closer with him, spend more time with him, instead of why, 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 instead of, Lord, show me what you want. How can I glorify you? How can I bring honor to you? Can I say that that's what our lives should be about, bringing and pointing people to Jesus? honoring God. That should be the case. If you're in here and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, can I encourage you to do so in here today? Very, very, very simple. It's not about saying a prayer. It's not about getting baptized. It's not about going to a church. It's not about giving money to, a, uh, to an organization. It's about simply realizing our condition that we need Jesus Christ. He died for us. He rose again three days later that all we have to do is put our faith in him and we have the promise of eternal life. It's that simple. It's that simple. If you've never put your faith in Christ, I want to encourage you to do so today. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon from Lighthouse Baptist Church. For more information about our ministry, go to lbccincy.com.